Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, negative inspiration for a bigger, better, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their best lives. After 23 years in finance, I left my executive role to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of Live Media, I am thrilled to create wellness-based content and technologies to help you level up and become more conscious of your ripple. The Live app launches Christmas Day and you are going to love it. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a beautiful place for us to share our gold, our dreams, and create community. Gold is a Live Media production brought to you from the sound studio at the Space LV. If you've been listening for a bit, you know that the Live app drops Christmas Day. Well, we have something special in store to celebrate it and we want you involved. A 12 days of Christmas giveaway. These are brands we believe in, including Zappos, Lululemon, and the grand prize, $1,000 for you to invest in leveling up, whether that's paying down a credit card bill or investing in yourself. Follow me at ms.jeanetteschneider and the live movement at loveisviral.media on Instagram to follow the giveaway announcements. Happy holidays. Tiffany Crookshank is a woman of many talents in the world of wellness. As a troublemaker in her early teens, she struggled to find purpose and meaning in her life. During that time, Tiffany discovered yoga and met an herbalist at a wilderness camp who would take her on plant walks, where she fell in love with learning how to use the environment around us to heal. Tiffany is the founder of Yoga Medicine, a community of teachers focused on fusing anatomy and Western medicine with traditional yoga practices to serve the medicinal communities. She's trained thousands of teachers around the world, has graced the cover of over 15 magazines, is a regularly featured expert in many major media outlets, the author of two books, and has over 150 classes on various topics on yogaglow.com. With her background in acupuncture, sports medicine, and women's health, Tiffany has worked with professional athletes and celebrities, run her own clinics, and created and ran the acupuncture program at Nike World Headquarters, in addition to teaching yoga there. Tiffany also founded and runs two nonprofits. One conducts research on yoga's therapeutic benefits, and the other supports a shelter for women rescued from trafficking in Delhi, India. Today, Tiffany and I discuss Chinese medicine, the idea of bringing the whole person into balance to allow the body to be more resilient, and how yoga can be a great tool for teens as well as adults to combat stress and support our mental health and our hormones. Let's dig in. I'm so excited to have with me today, Tiffany Crookshank. Thank you for joining Gold. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited to chat with you. I, um, You are a woman of many talents, and I'm so fascinated whenever worlds merge, and I wanted to kind of understand um, the path that you've taken. I know that you're um, deep into yoga, but also uh, marrying it with not only medicine, but Chinese medicine and helping people come to a more holistic way of looking at their health and their bodies and the way they they kind of enter the world of, of self-improvement. And I was just curious before we got started, if you could tell us a little bit about your path because you're, you're an expert on so many subjects that have to do with, with wellness um, from, from so many different perspectives. And could you kind of give us a little feel as to how you landed in this spot? <laughs> Yeah, I, I started pretty early on. I was I was actually a troublemaker when I was really young in my early teens and was really kind of struggling to find purpose and meaning. And my parents actually, I was a troublemaker, so they sent me off on this wilderness program and there was an herbalist there um, and he would take me out on plant walks and I really fell in love with not only learning how to survive and the empowerment that came with that in a wilderness setting, but also then 
um, learning how to use our environment around us and uh, being able to kind of use the environment around us to heal. And so I went home and was studying with an herbalist there and quickly graduated high school, started college when I was 16. And um, I did all my pre-med. I knew I wanted to go into some sort of medicine or um, holistic medicine probably, but I looked at a bunch. I was in college and I was apprenticing with a, an acupuncturist who was also a Zen monk. And Oh, and, and rewind back to when I was 14. I, that was when I started doing yoga and fell in love with it. Mm. When I went off to college at 16, I, there weren't any studios at the time. So I, I decided to train to become a teacher myself. So, um, I started, uh, teaching yoga there and, um, this acupuncturist I apprenticed with was, um, seeing patients at the yoga studio I taught at. And he was also a Zen monk and I just became so enthralled with it. Um, I looked into Ayurveda, I looked into Western medicine briefly and naturopathic and was kind of poking around trying to find what I wanted to do and what I really wanted to dive into. I was really eager to study and, and really study deeply. And I just fell in love with the art of Chinese medicine. To me, the human body is so magnificent and complex and um, there's so much to it. And I think for me, um, being able to make sense of the whole person is such an important part of that and, and having so much space for all the complexities and individualities. And um, for me, Chinese medicine was really such a great way to bring all of this back together and, um, and look at the whole person. And in Chinese medicine, we talk about this as the, the root and the branches, this idea that our symptoms are the branches of the underlying conditions, or some people might call this constitution or genetics or um, our, our own, you know, kind of like weak links sometimes mm -hmm. are looking at the root of who this person is. And the beauty of that, I think in Chinese medicine is a lot of times you might go in for one thing and the side effects are, are usually that some of those other little things that you might not have gone in to see a doctor for kind of start to drift to the wayside. And, um, the idea is kind of bringing the whole person into balance, um, to allow the body to be more resilient. Um, and I love the complexity of Chinese medicine that really allows us to accommodate for this huge variance that we see from person to person. So yeah, I really, I got into it there. When I graduated, I, I got really into sports medicine and orthopedics. So that was my specialty. I, I started the acupuncture and Chinese medicine arm of the um, Nike World Headquarters in Portland. So um, I started and ran that for about six years and then hired people on to take it over when I moved in. Uh, back to New York to see patients there. Um, I've been in New York and LA and Sydney, and now I'm in Washington. And a lot of what I do actually now is training yoga teachers. <laughs> I love that. Well, and I love the idea, and this is a conversation that continues to come up on this show, um, that our health and our wellness are not, you can't put a pill or go to a class and and it be explained like we are such layered creatures <laughs> and we have so many different stories and so there's there's genetics at play there's environment at play there's so many things at play and I love that you're like I was a troublemaker but you're probably the most focused troublemaker I've ever heard of <laughs> I just needed a place to direct my my energy to <laughs> I love that well and I had someone on the phone like on the show one time who was like yeah I had court ordered wellness because I was arrested and I was six <laughs> and they had me um, go to yoga wow. classes and it changed wow. my life. And I was like, that's brilliant. And it, it kind of brings to mind, especially, you know, I love that at 14, you were approaching yoga with curiosity. And it's, um, you know, it's something that I think is so important, especially for, for girls as they're starting to come into the years where they're 
um, they're unsure of their bodies, their bodies are changing, they've got a lot of things going on, and I think it provides such presence and such groundedness within within their body. So I think that's really beautiful. And um, yeah. I, I love when I see younger girls, like my daughter will sometimes come with me to a yoga class. She's eight. She actually asks, like, is this the hot one or the one I can come to? <laughs> and um, I absolutely adore that. But I think it's just such a beautiful path, and it's another example of how – so many times the paths that we take are not straight and eventually we can create complete like full careers and lifestyles from all of these things once we we lean into our curiosity and we allow things to kind of unfold i'm curious with chinese medicine for for those that are kind of new to the idea um of outside of our typical western medicine like what is a typical kind of an intake process involve and especially with women because I've noticed we've had a lot of listeners who um, deal with certain types of autoimmune issues or hormonal changes or adrenal fatigue and they're so tired because they can't figure out what's going on underneath and it's like do I do a full panel do I figure out you know that I've got food allergies and sensitivities and it's almost like we have this huge mystery that becomes overwhelming so I'm curious if you could walk like that person through like what their experience would be if they were to lean into Chinese medicine yeah and just a background note too while I was at the Nike headquarters I actually took on a secondary specialty in women's health and fertility it was like such a huge need for it at the time I saw really everything even though sports medicine was my specialty um gosh I really love working with women's health issues because I think it's there's so much we don't know in western medicine about women's health things like endo and picos and infertility and I just think that Chinese medicine just brilliant brilliantly makes sense of of what we really lack understanding of, I think, in Western medicine. But but backing up, I think in Chinese medicine, I think one of the interesting things to wrap your head around, too, is this idea that for me is really important is that our body is really made um, to self-regulate. And when our body's in a state of balance, we're able to heal and repair. Now, that's a really simplistic understanding of a really complex system of Chinese medicine. But this idea that all of these things, the organs, the meridians, the connections are are really trying to seek this balance. And when my body is balanced, that it's able to do all these things. It's such an intelligent, incredible system. And we see this in Western medicine as well. And so a lot of what we're trying to do is really support the natural tendencies of the systems to bring them back to balance. And, you know, in the meridians, what we're looking at too are these internal and external connections, this idea of there being these energetic pathways, which are thought to kind of run through the connective tissue right under the skin um, that we can needle or press on, but then they dive deep into these energetic pathways, which communicate with the organs. So they have this ability to regulate both internal and external connections within and with and within and between the organs, which I think most people think of the meridians as just sitting right on the surface under the skin, the points that we can you know put needles in or press on. Um, but what we forget and what people I, I think don't realize is that these energetic pathways actually go straight into the organs to communicate, which is how we can mm. do things like acupuncture and regulate the physiology of what's happening inside. So I think, you know, it's all based on this idea that our bodies are intelligently designed. Mm. I love that. And I think it's really interesting too, with the meridians, you know, you, there's reflexology, there's there's acupuncture. And this may be a dumb question, but this is kind of me trying to lean in and understand. Is that also, are you kind of referring to, is it attached in any way to the parasympathetic nervous system? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the <laughs> I think one of the really basic 
ideas in Chinese medicine, if you were to study it, one of the first things you would study would be this idea of, of yin and yang, which is really analogous to the parasympathetic versus sympathetic, this idea of, of dualism. And in a lot of Chinese medicine really is based on um, nature and what we see around us, these interesting dysfunctions that exist both in nature and inside of us, the macrocosm and the microcosm of each. Um, but in Chinese medicine, this idea of yin and yang is that, you know, they each create and define the other one without light. There's, there's no darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, they can all be further broken down. I can have hot water. I can have warm water. I can have cool water. Um, but they're also dependent on each other and yin and yang, um, you know, fire needs the substance of wood. So a lot of the, the images we see are in nature, but they also control each other and turn into each other. So there's this really interesting dynamic relationship between yin and yang, mm-hmm. which we don't see in the kind of the flat picture of, of parasympathetic versus sympathetic. And I think we often forget about in our Western society that um, sympathetic is just as valuable as parasympathetic. It's just that we tend to live in sympathetic and we tend to leave out the parasympathetic, the um, this idea of yin and yang in Chinese medicine goes even further too. It's not just this doing versus being, which is one of the best, I think, analogies between parasympathetic and sympathetic, this mm-hmm. idea of, of being in our bodies, being in Shavasana, being in meditation, self-awareness, body awareness versus checking things off our to-do list and accomplishing tasks. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it also looks at things like this introspection. Introspection we know is a really important part of triggering that parasympathetic response. If you were to just sit down and and take a moment just to close or even just soften your eyes and notice what's going on in your body, notice the sensations, all of a sudden that parasympathetic response is, is going to be triggered to some extent. Um, and they're, they're constantly fluctuating. It's not that one or the other is active, but there's kind of this intermingling and, and balance between them that's constantly happening. And, um, and then we see this connection to things like the hormones. Estrogen is, is more yin, progesterone is more yang, and this kind of brilliant fluctuation through the, the hormone cycles of the month um, of how those intermingle. And I think reminding us that it's not necessarily a one or the other thing. It's not just about sympathetic and parasympathetic or vagal tone, but it really is about our body being able to flawlessly exchange between the two of them to, to kind of ebb and flow between the two of them in the right time and the right amount, um, that we, we really need both. The problem is that in our busy lives, the, the doing is easier to like put on our list. It's more valuable. You know, it's like, when do you ever write down your to-do list and go, do nothing. <laughs> now we know the the value of meditation. So maybe we put something like meditation or restorative yoga on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's great. But, you know, most of our lives and, and this is just part of being human revolve around creating and what we're doing and, and what's next. And um, and I think yoga brings us back to those those moments in between the noticing, the introspection, the space, the um the balance of them and, and, and Chinese medicine as well as the balance, the, the value of the balance rather than just the one thing. I love that. I, we, I, list is like, <laughs> I feel my list when I wake up. <laughs> I can feel my day <laughs> pressing against me. And I was sharing with someone recently, I think the only reason that I have managed to really um, kind of 
maintain and support my own mental health and anxiety is because of the fact that I am fully aware of the importance of yoga and and movement in my own life and introspection because I've seen it kind of shift and adjust the way that I kind of view the world and when I'm having those breathless moments or those fear-based moments or, oh my gosh, I've got to get this done or that done. And I think, you know, we're in an achievement society. We feel like if you've marked all the things off your checklist, that means that you were successful today. Having the opportunity to recognize that we are these really layered, fascinating creatures who can self-regulate with, I think, intention is, is what's so important to me. Like, I know that we have this achievement society where it's so important to get things done and to perform and we've got measurements and we've got products and we have support around that to help us get things um, accomplished. And, you know, we were in this hashtag grind slash hustle (laughs) mentality. But the idea that we can really work on ourselves from the inside out, I think is like a really beautiful, a beautiful gift. What I love too is in yoga, this idea that I think sometimes we forget about is this idea of non-judgment, which Mm. I think is such a big thing going back to like my teenage years. And as an adolescent, this ability to kind of make peace with this layer of ourselves that tends to judge everything. And, you know, I think too, with the parasympathetic and sympathetic and, you know, the tendency for us to focus on the doing and the creating and, and the value we create in our lives through that, it's also just important just to notice that that's, it's a human quality. And it's not even so much about, completely shifting our lives as much as kind of what you're saying is the noticing, the ability to notice that your heart rate is up, mm-hmm. to notice the the sensations and the qualities of anxiety, to be able to be courageous enough to look at and notice um, and to notice how it kind of softens those strings of attachment as we allow ourselves to kind of non-judgmentally look and notice and watch the patterns and not necessarily have to change it. I think there's this kind of tendency in yoga to feel like you've got to touch your toes or you've got to get more flexible or you've got to be able to hold this pose or be better at this. And, and really it's, it's about letting go of that and our ability to kind of make peace with the noticing. And I often think about it as kind of like a scientist doing a research experiment. Ideally as a scientist, you're unbiased. So you're able to kind of look at things with this neutral mindset, um, to try not to influence the experiment. And, um, I think it's an interesting thing to do in our yoga practice, too, is to allow yourself to be that unbiased observer. And and like you're saying, too, in your life, to notice how just the noticing and now we know the noticing is what is what um, triggers that uh, parasympathetic response as well. Mm -hmm. So we can kind of explain it. But the noticing is, is such a big part of it. And the noticing without all of the filters that we put on things that meaning our judgment and our emotions and our past experiences and everything else that creates us. I think. One of the things that's been so important in my life is trying to move into the role of observer. And it was a conversation that I've had um, with my executive coach multiple times where he's like, we have this, this, this comparison judgment that you're talking about where we're constantly comparing ourselves to other or judging if we don't pick something up quickly or we're not in the state that we think that we should be in and a, and a Instead, having a relationship with our with our bodies and with our minds and souls and observing where we are in that space and giving ourselves permission to be exactly where we are. Um, and I, I think that that has created this like full mind shift for me. Yeah. Especially when I'm in 
in relationship with other people or uh, friendships to, to step back and, and kind of move into that observer versus um, fixer, judger, <laughs> like to, to get yeah. into that space. Yeah, I mean, I have to say after – gosh, the last 15 years of specializing more in orthopedics and pain and sports medicine and seeing thousands of patients, I think one thing that has really changed in my perspective is just how important the power of the mind is. Mm -hmm. Um, And we know that now there's a lot of new research on pain and and how much obviously the mind is filtering our experience and how much of pain is actually happening in our brain isn't necessarily mechanical. But I think think it's such one of the many... (laughs) One of the really important reasons why I think yoga is such an important part of our healthcare system of, of really navigating and not just pain, but mental health, our, mm-hmm. our quality of life, how we see and perceive the world, how we interact, our, um, our social relationships. I mean, our ability, I think, to have that non-judgmental awareness, which is a lot easier said than done, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's conscious at first, right? <laughs> yeah, but even just like that moment of noticing is such a big thing. And I think, you know, there's this idea that maybe, you know, in meditation, you're going to still your mind or maybe those judgments will go away. But I don't really know that it's in my experience about them going away or it stopping as much as me just kind of befriending them and mm. almost kind of laughing because it's just you know, what happens. <laughs> I love that, befriending them. I think that's like such a, a powerful thing to do be, rather than judging, you're judging, right? You're like, I'm going to befriend you and know that you're there and recognize you um, yeah. and move you along. I absolutely love that. It's like the like the quirky little things like my dog does. You know, I used to have this dog that had a weird underbite or Lulu has her weird little things. And it's just funny because it's, it's the weirdest things that are the cutest. And mm-hmm. it's it's almost like that for me. Like you're noticing these things. You're like, that's just so weird. It's funny. <laughs> I'm totally going to sell that to my boyfriend later when I do something really annoying. I'm like, this is the weird cute part of me. <laughs> Don't you think I'm adorable? Um, he rolls his eyes a lot. Um, I'm, I'm curious, and this keeps popping into my head as we're talking because this conversation has come into my consciousness quite a bit lately, and it's teenage girls and mental health. Um, mm. I am noticing, and I think it's probably because I've got – tweens um my my niece is a teen and um I'm in a group of moms and we talk a lot about kind of mental health and I'm a little freaked out about some of the stuff that I hear and I don't know if it's kind of it's always been there or if hormones are more out of control because of diet so they're going through some of these things earlier or mental health is is worse because of social media and and bullying I'm not 100% sure or if it's just because I'm a mom now <laughs> and so I'm more aware <laughs> of it but I'm curious from your perspective you know when you're talking about yoga and mental health I am wondering if it's um and and hormones and all of those things like if you have any kind of thought or or opinion on kind of what we're seeing with mental health and the stats that are coming out. They're saying girls um, in their from 10 to 14 are at the highest risk of suicide right now. And that's, that's frightening to me. Yeah. And we have two teenagers too. So I, I, I get to see it firsthand. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I have, it's such an interesting thing. I think it's easy. We always think that I always think back to like the, when I was your age, I used to walk 10 miles in the snow to go to school. And it's like, I do think there is like a a relevant stress to each um, decade, each generation. Um, And there's part of me that has to believe that it, it, it is, 
even though it's changed shape a little bit, it's, it's maybe similar to the pressures that we felt too. Although I do think it's challenging because with social media, you don't get to go home. I mean, I remember gosh, in my early teens being bullied and teased. I mean, all from fourth grade all the way through until I was like, I'm done with high school. And I did two years and six months and graduated when I was 16. But up until then, I was just, it was awful. It was torture. And I never felt like I fit in. And I think um, at least when I went home, it was over, you know, mm-hmm. like you had your family, you had your stuff, your, your place. But now I think the the one of the negative things, one of the, I guess one of the cons to what can also have a lot of pros to it is this um, social media never goes away. I think it can create connections that can be valuable and it can unite people in interesting ways around the world, but it can also have this this flip effect, like everything. There's pros and cons of of now, you know, all of that pressure and struggle that they feel is always there. You know, now they're worried about likes and, mm. you know, all these things. And, and yeah, I think things like our food is changing too. I do believe that we as humans are evolving, our bodies are changing and, and evolving to meet a lot of those different stressors, different to, you know, how we were a hundred years ago. Um, so I do believe in our naturally natural capacity as humans to evolve and, and be resilient to those challenges. I mean, I think, I think I have to, I also think that having a positive take on things is somewhat important for our resilience as well. But yeah, I think it's challenging. And I, I do think it's one of the reasons why I believe that yoga is such an important tool for teens is, is kind of what we were talking about before is our ability to befriend um, these natural parts of ourselves. I know for me and and many of us, I'm sure many people can um, familiar are familiar with this experience, but like a lot of times we're our own worst critic, you mm-hmm. know, the judgment never ends inside of our head. And so being able to befriend that inner critic and, um, you know, like I was saying, like laugh at some of those things that our mind starts to take us through. I, I just think it's such a powerful tool as a teen. And it's not necessarily them having to go through this with that in mind. I think it can be the simple body awareness that we instill, our ability to notice sensations in the body without filters, without judgments of even it being a good or bad stimulus or a good or bad feeling it kind of starts to translate over into how we befriend thoughts and how we befriend um, ourselves and people around us. And I really believe self-empathy is is really the foundation for empathy for other people. So it allows our children then to learn how to empathize with people around them, which is which is such an important part I love of it. all of this, of how we live yeah. together as a community. I love that. And I think it's, I think it's, it, once they have perspective of, of compassion towards self, it offers, it opens a door for compassion toward other. It was interesting. I went to this, um, this dance workshop and it was kind of like, I was really nervous at first because you're supposed to dance in front of other people. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like I'm so used to my little yoga mat. I've got my little space and I zone out. Um, and I, I did it and I, you know, they, they dim the lights and they're like, no one's watching you. And I did it and I'm, I'm moving my body and I, I recognized that I really needed to take up space. And there were periods of time where I was dancing and I and they have like a, a a guide who's like you know try to imagine this and do that and you've got all these women running around a room and I had my arms really wide and I was like oh my god this feels good I'm so used to being so compact and to like put my arms out in space when we finished I was like you have to do this for kids like you have mm-hmm. to do this for for children because you're feeling your way into your body mm-hmm. and and offering yourself kind of like a relationship with 
the parts of you that need to move and the extension of your arm and the way your legs feel and how you feel in movement. And I'm like, if you could create an experience where um, children have the ability to move into their bodies um, with compassion and with love and not feel awkward and not feel overweight and not feel like they've got weird hair, but just because they've got a relationship with self, I think it would be such a huge boost for yeah. confidence and and create some body awareness that's not outside of them that they're not aware of because of of how someone's reflecting back to them what their body looks like to them but how their body moves and functions and, and feels instead the unfiltered curiosity mm. yeah yeah no I think it's so important and I'm I I love I love this discussion because I think it's it's one of the things like I've I've gotten some heat in the past because people like you try to make it seem like mental health and anxiety can be resolved without medication and I've never said that I I'm, I always yeah. feel that medication should be available to people who who use it who need it and I believe it's very helpful but I also think that um, we have not always been given the tools and the support to to own our stories and our bodies and our feelings. And maybe yeah. if we had a little bit more support in that arena, um, maybe that would, would help. Maybe that would be a stopgap. And maybe it yeah, would. and maybe it's not even a one or the other thing. I am so excited to finally announce what I am working on because it has been so hard not to talk about it. Today, Gold is brought to you by Live Media and I couldn't be more thrilled. Live is an app that will launch Christmas 2019. I have partnered with a team previously of Disney Pixar who wants so deeply to use tech for good and we're using tech for great. I have a special VIP experience built out and planned for my gold listeners. You guys have been on this journey with me so I can't wait to introduce you to my baby. Through mindfulness and accountability offerings, including meditation, breathwork, intentional living routines, challenges, and lifestyle coaching, Live will provide you with the tools, community, and support you need to live your very best life, leveling up in every aspect. Live meets you where you are and grows with you. Each week, your Live Lab will be curated with talks, articles, meditations, visualizations, challenges, and support to help you move your goals forward in 90-day increments. At the end of 90 days, we will celebrate your accomplishments with you before assisting in selecting those goals you'd like to include in the next 90. Available to you at all times is a phone or chat session with an accountability coach, a master coach, or through an email submission to Dear Live so that we can support you every step of the way. Live is your lifestyle and productivity concierge, a thoughtful guide and an intuitive coach to help you get out of your own way, to create, to pay it forward, because a healthy you today means a healthier world tomorrow. Gold listeners will receive a free 30-day VIP experience. That means access to all of the bells and whistles by using code GOLDVIP, all caps, at loveisviral.com. Again, that is loveisviral.com, code GOLDVIP, in all caps. Join the movement. Stories and our bodies and our feelings. And maybe if we had a little bit more support in that arena, um, maybe that would, would help. Maybe that would be a stopgap and maybe it yeah, would. and maybe it's not even a one or the other thing. I mean, I think, um, all of these modalities can be so effective at, at also supporting. There's obviously a time and a place for medication. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not an either or. And I think like you said before, there's so many things influencing our state of health and wellness, our, our mental health, our physical health, our home, hormonal health, I, I really believe that every little thing we do, whether that's 
eating better, moving more, or noticing these mental habits, this filter, I think it all is affecting not only that one thing, but all of the interconnected parts. And so I just think every little thing that you can do and be aware of without making it feel like, I think it's easy to, in this day and age with, um, you know, all the information at our fingertips to then start to like, see all these things that you have to do for wellness. And then Mm -hmm. you've got 5 million things to be healthy that you have to do, but to just like find one thing that feels helpful and stick to it. And, and, you know, once you've got that, maybe you experiment with something else, you know, it's like, I used to have a lot of people come into me for, um, for optimal health, especially after I wrote my book on optimal health. And, um, you know, it was so important for me not just to like do this one month or two month overhaul or detox, but really to, to get them creating new patterns and new habits, which we know from a health standpoint is, is much more impactful to our long-term health of things. We, the small things we could commit to over time and, you know, just finding those little nuggets of, of things, even if it's just, again, this moment of observing, like take one, one moment, maybe that's brushing your teeth every morning and just like take a moment to check in. Maybe even while you're brushing your teeth, notice how your feet feel on the ground, notice your breath. And then maybe that starts to carry over into noticing when you get anxious Mm -hmm. or um, noticing when you get stressed or notice when you, you're with someone that you really care about. Um, And then maybe, maybe there's other things, you know, yoga, pranayama, nutrition, there's so many ways that we can optimize our health. And I don't think it's a an all or nothing approach. And, you know, just one thing is, is just one thing. And though that can be really helpful, I think it's that multidimensional approach that's so important. Yeah, no, I love that, that, that one thing. And it's that relationship to self and just kind of starting to recognize, because I think self-awareness is such a catalyst. Um, once you start recognizing how you interact in situations and how they make you feel and when you're having anxiety and what's the trigger and can I be an observer of this? And I think that that's really beautiful. Yeah. And you had mentioned about women's health before. I think one thing I love about Chinese medicine is it really uh, so eloquently makes sense of such a complex system. And it's, we have a whole long training on it, which really just touches the surface. Um, but it, it really brilliantly makes sense of a really complex system and, and how everything has to be in a perfect rhythm and harmony as our body orchestrates this hormonal cycle in the right amount, the proper timing. And there's so much that can go wrong, but even something simple like stress regulation is such a great place to start. We see a lot of different ways that stress can impact the hormonal system. Um, and so it can be something really simple. I mean, I think even just that checking in the, you know, the befriending the stress, befriending the anxiety, befriending the resistance can be a a brilliant way to melt that stress and a lot of its effects as well. And, um, I think, to the the point you made on kind of how we see ourselves um, as it relates to women's health, I think it's really interesting too. And um, something like menopause, there's almost uh, with with menopause specifically, there's almost no menopausal symptoms in cultures where age is valued. So mm-hmm. things like Mayan and Japanese cultures, um, they and and this is changing with the modernization of of these cultures as well but we look at cultures where age is valued and there's almost no symptoms associated with it now remember menopause is a is a natural shift and in chinese medicine i think what's interesting is that it's it's brilliantly designed because we waste so much energy well not waste obviously if you're making children it's very valuable but um the body uses so much energy to go through each cycle each month um, and so it's really a, a brilliant way to conserve energy. And in Chinese medicine, it's um, it's said that, 
you know, this energy is now fed back into the system as the hormones become more level. And there's kind of a innate wisdom associated with that menopausal shift. We tap into this kind of unused energy and intuition as the hormones become more steady. And um, it's just really become an oracle. (laughs) (laughs) I love that because I think it's so beautiful. And I think we have a tendency, you know, to, to make it the villain right? Make that part of your life the villain and that's kind of when thing cobwebs show up and you're shipped off and and all of those things. And I I absolutely love that. I think if um, more people recognize like, hey, I'm moving into my oracle status. (laughs) Like this is when some more wisdom shows up. I think that that could be a much more beautiful transition. Um, Yeah. And that's just our, I mean, that's just changing our perspective, which is really interesting, our, how our mindset, and then you look at, you know, a lot of our, you know, cultural uh, context around periods and hormones and a lot of the negative associations with the the female reproductive cycle and and kind of wanting to squelch it or, you know, taking birth control pills, you know, month round to never have periods. And, you know, that's obviously a lot longer discussion. I think there's a time and a place for everything. But Mm -hmm. um, our ability to kind of embrace, I think, something that is a natural part of our our power as women to create and give birth, whether that be to children or to ideas or to um, all of these incredible yin and, and feminine qualities that are so powerful that go right along with the parasympathetic um, response, this intuition and this introspection and, um, yeah, our I ability to sense and listen and nourish. I love all of that. I think it's really... It's really beautiful when you put it from when you, you you shift to that perspective, right? And I'm just sitting here kind of like in awe because I've <laughs> thought of all of the appointments, you know, conversations I've had with doctors when it's time for your first mammogram and you're talking about all of these things and it's it's never it's never a positive. It's always like a checklist so that they know where to put you in the scheme of things, <laughs> you know? And I um I love that. I love this idea of kind of um welcoming your not only your new self as you change and as you shift but also recognizing that these are things that are part of the beautiful divine feminine part of that's that's who you are that's how you were made to be um and And there's there's so much fluctuation too within just each month it's really interesting if you look at it deeper in chinese medicine um like throughout the cycle being able to embrace that natural shifting um i actually have a really uh if you're interested, a really interesting course on yoga glow, um, that guides people through the different phases of the cycle. But like a lot of women stay away from doing yoga at their menstrual cycle when actually this is the time of the month where we need that added blood circulation because the blood vessels constrict and then they start to come back up again and it actually pushes the endometrium out. So that circulation is really important during that time of the month. So a lot of us tend to kind of maybe not want to exercise, which is fine. You just need to find an exercise that suits you during that time of the month. Um, but getting some, there's a lot of different ways to get blood flow without having to do too much exercise if it's not comfortable for you. And, and obviously everyone's a little bit different, but getting some movement in, um, in whatever form that is can be really helpful because especially for things like endometriosis, it's really important that our body's able to shed the entire endometrium because it clears the slate for that rebuilding cycle in order for all of the hormones fluctuations that come after that to be, 
um, in the right timing. And so um, for a lot of people struggling with infertility and endometriosis, it's really important to look at that blood circulation in the menstrual cycle. And then and then there's a whole lot more to it. Like the, the phase right after the menses is actually a really good time to be introspective. It's when all of the follicles are developing and the endometrium is developing. And so in Chinese medicine, it's a really important time for introspective practices, things like yin and restorative and pranayama, which is kind of the opposite of what we do um, in a Western sense. A lot of times people will skip their yoga practice and their exercise during their menstrual period and then come on really strong afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's interesting, I think, just to look at these and experiment with it, especially I mean, if if you're not having female uh, hormonal issues, you, you may, you know, don't mess with some, something if it's not broken. But um, definitely if there are hormonal issues, which are with, with many people we know, especially with a lot of estrogen mimickers in our environment and stress and all of that, um, it can be an interesting thing to look at and experiment with and just see how it influences you. And um, obviously everyone's going to need something a little different, but it kind of gives you a little... Um, just something to chew on, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And you mentioned Yoga Glow, which I think is really important to share because you have such great content that you've created to help people. Oh, I, I was going over everything. I was just like, wow, she's just like this font of information. <laughs> and um, you have a lot of courses online um, to help people, um, whether they want to create their own practice at home or they want to understand more about their bodies or these different um, aspects of, of kind of going deeper and like having a relationship with self that's a lot more um, less looking at yourself with a microscope and more kind of embodying um, yourself as this really dynamic living thing. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, gosh, I've got a lot of different resources ranging from students to teachers. We've got online courses ranging from like neurobiology of yoga, kind Mm -hmm. of the understanding of kind of how it really works and affects us, um, to the orthopedic side, the SI joint, the anatomy, the the Chinese medicine side. Um, On Yoga Glow, that one's really more for the student, but there's definitely some stuff, a lot of stuff for teachers on there as well. I've got over 150 courses, a lot of them you know, looking at the orthopedics and stability and health of the tissues. I do a lot on fascia and myofascial release, which I've used a lot with my patients, especially um, working through pain or restrictions in their movement or athletes. Um, I've got that women's health um, course on there, which guides you through the different phases of the reproductive cycle and gives you like a quick overview of the TCM or the Chinese medicine look at things. Um, I've got a myofascial course. I've got the myofascial on my website. I mean, it's there's all sorts of stuff. And then I have my book, which is really, um, it was something I created a while back as a resource for my patients. It's called Optimal Health for Vibrant Life. And it it's a 30-day look at just kind of dissecting all the different layers of our health, nutrition, home remedies, um, yoga, pranayama, meditation, um, little herbal remedies, and all sorts of different ways, even just, you know, looking at the, our beliefs, looking at our patterns, mm-hmm. um, from simple to more complex. And so it gives a lot of options along the way um, to kind of look at ways to just refine your health and kind of walk you through that as well. And and then I have a meditation book as well. I love it. Well, it was funny because as I was looking over, I'm like, I, I there's so many things to talk about. So I'm going to have to have you on at another point in time and we'll pick another, <laughs> another topic. I love it. Um, I wanted to ask you, you talked a little bit about our beliefs. And um, one of the things that's so important as part of my own project and um, the book that I wrote was kind of understanding kind of where we 
came from, from and how we created our belief systems and structure uh, structures and, and our self-talk. So questions that I ask everyone and I, I want to ask you, um, if you were to look back at a younger version of yourself, what age would she be and what advice would you give her? Oh my gosh, definitely those early teens. <laughs> I think it's such an area. It's so hard to watch our teenage daughter. Now mm-hmm. she's in college, so she's kind of through all that. But it's such a difficult time, especially for girls, I think. Um, I think I would tell myself, don't worry so much about what other people think. It just kind of let that go. I just feel like everyone has their strengths, and good people will see that and kind of see that inner beauty. For me, um, I kind of I chose to empower myself with information and education and studies and, and service work, which I believe is so important to our health. But just staying focused on what you believe in. It's so easy to get lost in that storm of emotions, of, of all the worries about what everyone thinks. I think um, it takes most of us, especially women, a while to get through that and really be able to just do something really wonderful with our lives and relationships. I love that. It's beautiful. If you were leaving this earth and you need to leave behind some nuggets of wisdom or inspiration, your legacy, what would it be? I think something that comes up for me a lot recently is is just the importance of trusting in the power and resilience within us. I think it's so important that we believe in our capacity to heal and repair and just how magnificent and powerful our body is and the magic. I think we want to explain everything with Western medicine um, and research, but there's so much we can't explain and, and hopefully we never will. I think there's an importance to the magic and um you know, it's really just a matter of clearing away whatever is obstructing that capacity to heal, whether it's food or beliefs or habits. Um, and I think a lot of times the simple things we do are often the most powerful, partly because they're the most lasting, but breathe, looking at our breath, movement, food, gratitude, that non-judgmental, that befriending we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think all those simple things and the pow- the belief in our resilience and capacity to heal is such a big part of it. That's my advice to my younger self is you are so powerful. That was the advice that I gave in my book. Aww. And I think that that's such a big statement. And and I love how you reflected back to that kind of not only powerful in our ability to create, but are powerful in our ability to heal and to expand. Um, and I think that that's really beautiful. And I'm so grateful that you came on today. If anyone wants to find you, where would they go? All of that is pretty much on our website, just yogamedicine.com. You can find the courses and books and um, our nonprofit and our find a teacher resource and all sorts of things, articles on there. I love it. Thank you so much for being on today and sharing your gold. This was an amazing conversation and I'm so grateful. And I have like at least three more topics that you need to come back and talk to us about. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. Of course. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love Tiffany's suggestion to become the observer and to befriend our thoughts and judgments by making peace with a layer of ourselves that judges everything and empathizing with ourselves first. It makes it easier for us to empathize with the world around us. You can find Tiffany on her website, yogamedicine.com. She's also on Instagram at Tiffany Crookshank at yoga underscore medicine at yoga underscore medicine underscore seva. Tiffany can also be found on Twitter at yoga underscore medicine. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. 
Don't forget, we have a special VIP experience at loveisviral.com and a big holiday giveaway. Details will be announced on Instagram at ms.janetteschneider or loveisviral.media. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.